Today I have Zach Jones, Vice President of Elastic Guide Creations on the Information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. Hey, Zach, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, I mean, it kind of all got started with this with this big head-to-head binocular harness test that I did. And, uh, you know, I reached out to you guys at Alaska Guide Creations and, and started working uh, specifically with you and you guys were more than more than generous enough and happy to send out a harness for me to put through the paces and that's kind of how our relationship began yeah for sure it was a uh, if i remember right it, i mean it's been a little while you got one of the very first ravis that we ever um finished up you know on the first first round of production so one of the first batches yeah yeah and and i remember looking at the pictures on your website and i was thinking man if they're gonna send one i sure hope they send that ravis (laughs) and then and then sure enough yeah it's the one that you decided to send (laughs) no for sure and it, it a lot of that is you know we wanted to get get another another option out there you know we have tons of skews of bino packs but but the ravis is really different from the others you know as you can tell looking at it i'm sure after using it for a while you know there's there's things that stayed stayed the same and stayed uh pretty continuous through the agc brand but but there's some definite changes on it as well absolutely and you know kind of you know to start off with just a little bit zach why don't you kind of just tell everybody listening um you know a little bit about your background and and how you are involved with with alaska guide creations or agc and and we can kind of go from there i got you so my my background is actually civil engineering um years ago got my degree my bachelor's and master's in civil engineering and uh you know worked in in designing buildings and uh electrical they, we call them e-houses but different projects for for a company here um you know worked there for a handful of years and then i i had been friends with jared you know and used his products for for years and then it just you know worked out that you know i was i was working on a, a separate business and reached out to Jared about Alaska guide and how to work together with that. And he's like, man, if you, uh, you know, I'm just struggling and in a, in a spot where I could use some help. And, you know, from there it just started working together and, uh, from, you know, it just was a good relationship and, and it's gone, gone really well from there growing like crazy and, you know, continuing to grow. Yeah, for sure. So how do you, I mean, I would imagine, I actually, I have a, an, an associates in engineering. I was going to be a civil engineer and then, life happened and didn't go that direction. But, (laughs) um, how do you incorporate your background of civil engineering into the work and product design that you do at, uh, AGC? Uh, you know, it's, I mean, I, I've always felt Jerry, another guy here at Alaska guide, he, he actually has a, a degree in civil engineering too. Um, we, we talk about all the time that, that, going through school and becoming an engineer doesn't they can't teach you everything about everything right like right. there's only so many credits and before they say hey by the way you're good enough to get a degree you know and, and but it, what it does is it teaches you how to learn and how to evaluate and problem solve and whether you're designing a bridge or 
skyscraper or you know a, a modular e-house or a bino pack you know it's kind of all the same process different materials different different aspects that you look at but but we're able to use a lot of that i wouldn't necessarily say experience in the cut and sew but experience in in how to go about a up the design process um it's really the same no matter what you're building or what you're designing um a little bit a little different technically but but a lot of the same same principles that you you're basically trained to to approach any problem with you using no matter what you're designing yeah i for sure i i think you know you kind of have that uh I guess the inventor or the, the designer mindset and uh, you know, you are starting with an idea and a concept and you're molding that into the end result. So like the, the, you know, the, the Ravis there, there you have one. Right. And agree that it, it definitely has a, a different look and design and a feel than the other AGC harnesses or packs that you guys offer. Um, so when you guys, you know, focusing specifically on, on the Ravis, when you guys decided, Hey, you know, we, we kind of want to do something slightly different. Um, what were, what were some of the specific things that you were looking to do different and how long did it take to go from, Hey, this is kind of an idea we have to, Hey, we're, we're actually ready to start sending this thing out. Yeah. So we, uh, I mean, and a lot of the concepts, you know, and the, the ideas come from problems you face that, or suggestions you get or customers saying, Hey, you know, I love the pack, but I want it to open forward. And that, yeah. that was one we see. Uh, you know, you heard from for a while and then others like, oh, well, we, you know, I want to be able to have a zippered pocket on this side and a mesh pocket on this side. Or I want, sometimes I want that pocket, sometimes I don't. And and for us, part of that came into uh, SKUs and managing, managing that side of the business where it, it's, it become like, I mean, and I'm not, I, I would never speak poorly on anyone else you know, in the industry, I think there's a lot of people making a lot of awesome stuff. Um, but we, we do have a big option, uh, a big category specifically with vinyl packs between SKUs and colors. And right, every right. time you add a SKU and then you do all nine options and colors, you know, you, you add fast, right? The, yeah. the SKU inventory management, production management, all those things. And so, so part of it was, Hey, we need to have another option, but at the same time, we don't want to put our, ourselves in like a skew hell where we're just, it's a nightmare to, to manage those when, you know, one guy might really want to load up and have pockets everywhere, but he wants a forward open. Like we couldn't go through and rebuild every one of our packs, but with a forward opening design right. and double our skews like that, that's just not realistic. And, and part of it too is it's like anything, whether it's politics or whether it's, bow hunting versus rifle hunting like and ideas on how to manage game the world's pretty split in opinions like you you put a survey out there lots of surveys if you really get a good a good poll you're going to be pretty close to 50 50 yeah and and it's it's one of those things you try to do the best you can to to fit everyone's need but in one design and not not 
paint yourself into a corner. Yeah. And that's really, that's really a lot of what was behind the Ravis was, you know, Hey, well, forward opening, that's one thing, but, but how do we do a forward opening, but still allow people the option that, you know, maybe they like the classic max where you have pockets, side pockets, front pocket and a bottom pocket and forward opening and still meet the needs of someone who wanted something like the hybrid where they have one extra pocket, but now forward opening. Right. And, 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 and two, something that I noticed with, uh, with the Ravis is you can also have minimal, right? Like it's literally can just be the bino pack. Exactly. And that's, and that's really where we, we went and said, Hey, why don't we make it to where you can build it the way you want it? And, and I've even myself, like, when I ran up for different, different things I'm doing, whether I'm summer scouting or whether I'm bow hunting or whether I'm, um, shed hunting, I, I run different items on it. Like right. there, and I can be as minimal as I want, or I can be as loaded down as I want with everything that I need, you know, for a seven day backpack. Hunt. Yep. Um, and not obviously not like my camping gear, but, but I mean, what you have at your fingertips and if you're bow hunting versus if you're out, scouting are not always the same things yeah for, for sure and and like another one is like hey i'm gonna be in bear country i would like to have bear spray yeah i, I mean that that's exactly. a very simple one you know it's like hey tomorrow i'm gonna be in bear country but next week i'm not so i'm not gonna be carrying bear spray <laughs> you know? yeah yeah exactly and that so that was that was really a, a lot of you know every time we did anything with the ravis design it was how can we make this as modular and as functional as possible for as many people as possible? Because if you just do it for one group, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, business is business. You still want to, you still have to move product and, and make money. Right. Or you, you can't make it so specifically designed that, you know, 1% of hunters are going to find it useful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a, that's a difficult trade-off. Like, you know, there's the needs of a, of a guy that spends 150 days in the field a year and the needs of a guy that spend one weekend in the field a year there. Some aspects are quite a bit different. Right. Some aspects are identical. Yep. Right. And it's, and it's that finding that balance of how, how can we create a great product at a great price or at least a competitive price that, that fits the needs of most um, without sacrificing anyone on either end. Right. Like, yep. and, 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 it's like anything it's like you've been there. How many products have you used? And you're like, man, I don't like this that much. And then some, one of your buddies uses it. And like this, like it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's the, it's just human nature. And, and I think that going into a design and understanding that there's going to be pros and cons, there's going to be people that love it and people that don't as much. And that's, you know, that's part of it. You try to listen to all the feedback and, and make adjustments as you go that, that approach the majority of the feedback and, and where, where any issue may arise, you know, that's part of it. That's, it's the same thing, whether you're managing a, you know, a $10 million building project or whether you're managing a, a warehouse full of people. Um, it, you try to do, you, you try to make the best decision you can and, and try to keep everyone in mind and be, just be mindful. And I don't know, I don't know if that makes sense. Like it I, does. It makes, it makes perfect sense. Cause uh, you know, I think from, from all the harnesses I tested, you know, there's some that, that are, that do one thing really well, or maybe one other thing really well. And, and I, I think 
from now hearing the thought behind the design of the Ravis, the, it you couldn't have done better by like, making it a modular system was was the go-to, you know, um, because you are, you're literally able to fit into the guy that, that is going to wear it for four days or the guy that's going to take it on, um, a hunt for, for a month. And he knows that when he gets into stock mode, he's going to dump his backpack. So he needs to have spots put stuff when, when he's, when he's covering that last hundred yards. You know, you made you made that possible by making it a modular system. So yeah, I mean that that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and and you know, as far as the the design time period, I mean, there's so much time that goes into to any product. Like, you know, the the Ravis. We we started working on the Ravis two years before it launched. Holy smokes! And then you know, through through the process of prototypes and then once we got to a prototype we thought was decent then it's like okay well now we need to actually run it you gotta actually test it yeah you know me and a few other guys here ran it for a whole year you know so it and then you you still make some tweaks you make tweaks here and there and and you see what holds up and what you know what would i change like what do i not love and is it a flaw or is it a personal preference right because it's it's easy as a designer to get into that mode. Well, I wouldn't use it this way. Yeah, but I'm not, you know, an Eastern whitetail hunter that, that sits a stand and that's how I hunt. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not in, I mean, in the South, I'm not, you know, I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to put yourself in those different situations that aren't necessarily what you do. Right. And, and understand like, like on the backpack we're working on right now, it's, it's always important for us and everyone that we work with to be mindful. Like how do you use it and how, what are your opinions on it? And are those opinions preferences or are those opinions flaws? Right. Right. And there's a, and it's hard to distinguish sometimes, you know, like, I mean, it's super easy if all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this broke. Yeah. That's a flaw. Right. But, but if it's like, Oh, well I would, we really should have this here. And someone else is like, well, I love this the way it is. You know, yeah. that's where you start getting into words of preference and then work, make your best judgment call how to how to land at a final product, you know, without putting yourself in that nightmare of a thousand skews. Yeah, and, and it seems to me like something that would come with that too is kind of the other side of that sword where, you know, as opposed to, hey, I, I, I'm not really able to put myself in the shoes of somebody that's hunting out of a, white, a whitetail stand, um, as opposed to that, you look at something and you're like, how can I build this? So everybody wants it. And I would assume that's equally as challenging because as you mentioned, it's not like everybody's going to look at it and be happy with everything about it, you know? Oh, for sure. And I, and I think that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, that's for any product, whether you're buying a vinyl pack or you're buying a truck, like there's things that about the truck I drive now that I love more than any truck I've ever had. And there's things about older trucks that I'm like, I kind of liked that, you know, I kind of miss that. And, and I just, I don't think there's a perfect answer and there may be for one person, but you're not going to find that perfect answer that translates across the whole community. Right. So, you know, when you guys are, you got the design and you start receiving feedback, um, you know, I, I've had, uh, I've had some companies 
where where they receive the feedback really well and they they're like oh cool i didn't think about that or this is why we didn't do that or, or whatever else but i've also had the opposite where companies get kind of upset you know they're like which, which part of me understands right like you spend all this time designing it and trying to make it your picture of what is the best and then somebody grabs it and they're like well i don't like this um so when you guys are receiving feedback, um, how much feedback does it take for you guys to say, make a change and, and what kind of things do you, do you guys have to do or what, how, how do you not also sometimes take feedback personally? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's like anything. It, if, you know, you, I don't know if you're, if you played athletics, but like you go yeah. have a, you, you play a game, like, I can remember specifically like in high school playing a basketball game and you're like, man, I just had like one of the best games I've ever had in my life. And then the coach is on your butt about a turnover and you're like, dude, really? Like I just had the game of my life. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but you could be better. And that, you know, to me, that was like one of I'm still friends with that coach. Like, and it's one of those things he's like, man, I, when I expect great things out of you, like I'm not going to pat you on the butt for every good thing, but I'm going to tell you when I need, I need more. Right. And he's like, but it's not a bad thing. And that like, that's kind of stuck with me. And, and it's the same with, with the design. It's, it's easy to say, Oh, well, you know, that you just don't understand or like you're an idiot. Like it's, it's too easy to fall into that because you do like you have spent time and you're, you're emotionally invested in it. Right. But, but it's good. Like our, the way we do it is every time we get feedback, you know, it goes on a list and then we discuss everything that comes back. And, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's, Hey, this customer doesn't understand how this works is more the issue than, than the, the, it doesn't work. And we need to do a better job of explaining that or showing that, like, how can we do that? How can we educate, you know, the customer, how the product's supposed to work? Yeah. You know, that, that can be as much of feedback as a flaw. And then when, when there are things that we get back that, that are a flaw, you know, again it's it's that it's the same designation like are, are we we have to discern determine is it a flaw or is it a preference and then even with preferences you you have so many that come in you know and if for us like we again we take note of everything that comes in every feedback every call every email text whatever and if you start to see a common trend and it's like hey they're you know, this comment is greatly outpacing the others, you know, then we need to, we need to take a good hard look at that and see, it, you know, what's going on. Um, and, and it's hard, like, cause, and, it, and it's hard. I've been on the other end of it as a customer, you know, when you call about something that didn't go well for you or that you don't love about something, or you're just looking at it and you're like, ah, this isn't for me. It's hard when you, when you, you feel like you give feedback and, and they don't do anything about it, but there's a, a whole other side to that sword. Just like you said, you know, there might be, I might not like how something works on a product, but there might be 20 guys that called them too and said, Hey, this thing's amazing. Right. You know, and, and yep. it's hard to, to disconnect yourself that way as well. And just try to understand like, you know, Ford's probably not going to change their design because I have a gripe. Now, if I, if I, I feel strongly enough about it and I tell them about it, maybe, 
maybe there's, you know, a thousand other people that are saying the same thing and they're going to be able to make a change. Right. You know, see later on, but I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, a high wire act to try to balance that. And, and the biggest thing is for us, if you call us, you talk to us, you know, customer service on our end is a, a big priority. That's good. And, and, you know, you, the same phone number you just called me on for this, you know, uh, when the customer looks on the website and sees, sees the number next to my name, that's my cell phone and they can call me anytime and, you know, I'll do my best to answer and, you know, I can talk you through whatever. And, and to me, that goes a long way, being able to discuss it with the customer. You don't send an email and wait 10 years or 10 weeks to get an answer. Right. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, like I, that's a pretty long winded answer. No, you're good. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, it is difficult. It's, it's, it's always difficult when, when you feel like you've, you've put something together that works well and then, you know, someone doesn't like it. It's, you always have to be able to, you know, take that in and, and have the perspective to know like, Hey, it's not working for them right. and, and figure out why and figure out, you know, is again, is it a preference or is it a flaw? Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and something that kind of stemmed from that, um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about obviously your hunting and, and, and then designing the products, obviously, um, you know, how would you say that your passion for hunting as well as, you know, the outdoors influences and sways the products that you help, you know, AGC pr- produce? I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, when some, when you see something that you have a need for, or that you want different, you know, your focus goes there. It's easy to work on stuff that, that you, you know, are interested in. It's pretty hard to go and say, oh, I'm going to go design something for a high rack. You know, like I, I don't really high rack. It's not, you know, I've been to Mexico once, but it's <laughs> not like my thing. it's it's a difficult thing to to focus on a design that's not in your in your passion right and really you you wouldn't do as good of a job on on stuff that's of course of course not something you're passionate about or or experienced in like it's pretty it'd be pretty hard for me to go build a locomotive engine without any experience building the look you know designing that right yeah it's uh i don't know bad analogy but you get what I mean? No, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it it would be uh, no different than than uh, someone that has been taught to work on bikes. Hey, go work on that airplane. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like uh, that isn't going to work. It's just, um, it, you know, so it's the exact same idea. Uh, and I think, you know, like you said, when you're out there and you do a certain activity or or whatever else. And your gear handles the activity the way you expected it to, great. But when it doesn't, even, you know, when I'm out there too, when it doesn't, my mind starts turning. Man, if this thing, you know, if this backpack had this or this or these gators had this or this, uh, things would be working way better for me right now. And, oh, yeah. you know, that's that's just kind of part of it. No doubt. <laughs> and and the human the human mind is, is a funny thing, like, you drive to work and you, you go through 10 intersections and you, they're all, you hit nine greens and one red. You remember the red way more than you remember the greens. You know, it's, it's kind of the same philosophy as like the pain of losing blackjack is three times the, the joy of winning. Um, so when things go, go poorly and I, and I think the same translates with, 
you know, your experience. Like if someone has a great experience with you, there's a chance they tell someone about it. Right. If someone has a bad experience with you, boy, the, there's that, no doubt to tell them. <laughs> that, that, that bad news horse is a hell of a lot faster than the fast news horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, and, and so it's, I don't know, it's just part of it. And you know, one thing I was just thinking while we we're talking about the, everything else, like the preferences, like the magnetic closure on the Ravis, like there was that, that balance, like, you know, a few of the models, more, you know, more magnets, bigger magnets. Oh, it's loud. Like, and you hear that yeah, feedback from guys that run it and you're like, and you know, that that's feedback you've heard from other customers about other products. Like, Oh, there's, it can't be that big of a magnet. It can't be loud. Right. And then, and then you, you know, you go the other direction and, Oh, well, it's not strong enough. I want it stronger. And even with the, the way we finished, you know, and the way the Ravis launched and, and still is today, we have customers all the time. Like, and again, it's, it's not a lot of them, but, Oh, I wish it had more, more magnets in it. Like I wish it was a stronger magnet. And then on the exact same pack, the same product, you have customers say, Oh, the magnet's too strong. It's way too loud. Right. <laughs> and it's like, and that's where, that's where that preference comes in. It's like, okay, that's a preference, but how do we, how do we manage to, to land as close to the middle as possible? Right. And, and that's a great example, you know, cause I, and I've heard that about multiple companies, harnesses, you know, not, not just your guys's and, you know, from, from the nine that I had, um, in fact, your guys's was one of the quietest, um, but it's, it, it, that is something that I've heard people complain about, you know, Hey, I go to close this harness and it like clicks shut, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I bet you, if you talk to every other manufacturer that makes vinyl packs, they would, they get the same calls. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're alone. No, in, definitely in not. That. And, and I bet, and honestly, I would, I don't know this, but I would bet most of the things that we get feedback on every other company's getting the same feedback. on. Right. And, yeah. and it's it, and part of, and it's just preference. Like some people, oh, I love the skinnier straps compared to the old ones. Yeah. Some people, I hate the skinnier straps. You know, and it's yep. uh, and it's just that balance. Like the happy medium is difficult to find. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and at the end of the day, you know, that's that's a big portion uh, reason. You know, you hear pretty quick that harness says it's it's with the editor, so it should be coming out here any day. Um, and when I say the editor, he, he just uploads it and every, gets all the WordPress stuff ready and then it launches. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, cause the video is on YouTube uploaded. So all he's got to do is make the WordPress thing and we're good to go. And then I'll send you guys that link as soon as it goes. But it's, uh, you know, one thing that I tried to do, so I tested, um, each harness, the nine of them, you know, and, and I went through a series of, of tests, like bending over water resistance, crawling with the harness on stuff like that. And the reason I did those tests is because in my mind, a binocular harness is very subjective to what a person wants and desires. And like, we've been talking this whole podcast, right? And so when I did those specific tests, I was like, okay, if I can test the water resistance of each one of these harnesses, that's as apples to apples as I can possibly make it because all of them are getting wet. All of them are going to be there for a minute. All of them are going to either have water or not have water. They're going to have water that leaked in here or, you know, so 
I, five of the tests that I did were literally as apples to apples as I could possibly get them. So, so like the crawling one, for instance, the whole purpose behind that is I crawled through 10 feet of snow and 10 feet of mud and, and grass and weeds. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to see how well the harness keeps debris out of my binoculars. And I was able to test all nine of them the exact same way. So, mm-hmm. so with that, somebody can look at that test and be, oh, wow, that one, that one didn't have any debris get in there. Like your guys, you guys didn't have anything get inside of the harness, the, you know, the, the main bag. And it's like, that's very important to me. So now I'm, I, I want to look more into that specific harness because it's very important to me. And absolutely, you know, cause that was, that was one thing I, I wanted to try and get as apples to apples on a lot of the things. Cause then when I go out in the field, then I can say, Hey, for this hunting style, I was moving really quickly a lot. And, and, you know, the, the harness may have been bouncing or, or whatever else, but I really appreciated the way it opened or the way it closed or the side pocket or whatever else. Then I can give real life type usage but those apples to apples for in my mind are very important for a product that is that is so dependent on what a person wants oh no doubt and and that's where you know it, you know back to the the scientific method like that's the only way to really evaluate anything straight yep. across is you have to keep as many variables the same as possible and change just one and that's where you can see changes. You know, you start changing two and three variables at a time. You don't really know what's reflective. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> that is 100% true. Uh, so with, with some of the hunts that, uh, you know, that, that you have gone on, uh, you know, in, in the questionnaire, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the way you killed your first elk as well as the buck that you killed this year. So I, I'm kind of interested to hear both those stories yes but i'm also interested to hear if any types of product designs or anything like that came from those experiences uh so i'm not going to lie to you like no nothing as far as products came from no worries no worries but but uh but really the, for me like i i believe the question was like what is the number one thing that you could share with someone to you know to make them a better hunter or a better archer yeah yeah and and to me honestly it's probably like i'm i i don't want to sound like a philosophical too philosophical or anything like that but it's kind of the same thing as anything in mind um i don't know how many times i can look back at a stock like i have a buck he beds and i rush in there and i try to make a stock and even if he's in a great spot but in the moment i'm still rushing i'm still doing things at a pace or or with less attention than than i probably than it probably deserves or needs right. to be able to come out and say, Hey, that I gave it everything. I'd love you to know? say I've never been there, Zach, but that'd be a lie. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's all of us. And I think yeah. it's part of it. I think it's, honestly, it's probably why we love it so much. Like, yep. Even when you do everything perfect, it doesn't work out perfect all the time. Yep. And like, for instance, like the bull I killed, I was, I was pretty young. Um, spot a bull, watch him go around the corner of, of a draw and and he, i figured he's going to bed but where he went i couldn't see so i was like oh i'm just gonna get on his tracks and i'll just walk his tracks in. and you know so at first i'm going in there to do that and I, I get on his tracks i start going and i catch myself like i'm going fast like i know i don't know where he's at 
and I'm moving quick. And I was like, Hey, like, what are you doing? If you blow the stock, you're done till evening. Cause it's hot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's mid August. Like it was early in the archery hunt here in Utah. Um, and I, I just like, I was like, it won't matter if it goes bad, you're still in the same boat, but you might as well make it count. And so it was literally like one step, look, one step. And it took me a long time. Like, I don't even know how long, but like it was one step and then a pause to make sure I was aware of everything that changed, even though it was just a little bit of sight every time. And I walked right in on that bull at 30 yards and that bull was actually up and then that bull, for whatever reason, turned and came back to me. I ended up shooting him at nine yards. Um, <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> but it doesn't happen if, because that bull was up facing me when I actually pulled up on him. Right. Like when I got to where I could see him. If I'm walking two, three steps at a time, and I know that's not even a lot, but, or if I'm just walking steady, I blow that bull out and probably don't even see him, let alone end up killing him, you know, under 10 yards. Right. And I've caught myself many times on stocks where I get going and I get ahead of myself or I, I need, Oh, I need to get to that spot. I need to get to that spot. Or this is going to be loud if I go through this little, like between these two bushes, but it's faster than if I back up and make a different route around. Right. Right. Even though it's dumb, like it's not going to change my scent. It's not going to change anything. It's literally a bush in front of me. But if you push through it and you make too much noise, something happened like you don't ever quite know what's going to be the, the solution or the the effect of that noise or whatever you decide to do and this so this year same same type of thing and it just reiterated to me we spotted a buck we've watched him for three years now we've we have you know pictures of him and stuff and watching him all summer like me and my buddy he's actually named zach too so <laughs> um, a lot of us <laughs> yeah three zach <laughs> And the weekend before we were watching him and we were like, yeah, that's a pretty nice deer. Like I was thinking upper eighties. Um, that's awesome. You know, well, and he's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, dude, there's no way. Like if he beds where we can see him, we'll go. If not, we're just going to leave him. And he's like, well, what if we never find him? I was like, he lived on this hill for three years. Like we'll find him. And I was like, but we know every time we've blown him out once, because we've tried to hunt him years in years past, but after you blow him, you never find him again. Like he he hides, tucks up a little tighter and just doesn't work out. Gotcha. So we wait and we don't go after him and we have to go home, go back to work for the week. And it's kind of like that. It's only, you know, 930 in the morning and the buck goes in the trees and we assume he beds in the trees, but we couldn't see him. And it's like, man that's pretty discouraging. Like we have the rest of the day, but we know we can't kill that buck and we don't really want to go kill another buck. Like right. Right. That buck. And <laughs> so the next weekend comes and we spot him and he's out in the open and he's feeding. And hence Zach Hensler again is like, come on, let's go. I'm like, dude, we have to wait till he beds. If he beds in the open where we can see him and we can make a plan, we'll go. We'll kill him. And well, and he lives in a bad spot. Like it's steeper and steep and like rocky and, it's not a good bow hunting spot. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. But that's why he lives there, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's why he's got some age on him and he's, he's a pretty good deer. Um, anyway, he ends up bedding and we, we video him and he comes down the hill and he beds in this like shale shoot with like mixed brush, like scrubby brush and pinion juniper stuff. And I'm looking at him and he's like, Hey, let's go. I'm like, dude, where he's at. I don't think we're going to kill him. 
And he's like, well, you said if you did it where we could see him, we'll go. I'm like, I'll go, but I think it's going to be terrible. But okay, but what's our plan? And because it's, I mean, it's steep. And from where we can start hiking to where he is, is about 1,200 vertical feet. Okay. And I'm like, we can't go up above him and come down, though, because you'll kick rocks. Like, normally, obviously, you always want to go top down. Your thermals change. You have the wind in your face. You're in a much better spot. I mean, that's, you know, that everyone that's listening to this already knows that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, we can't do it. You will never get down that. Like, it's so steep. You will not get within bow range. Like, it's just not happening. And he's like, what do you want to do then? I was like, well, one of us needs to get above him where that opens up and sit. And the other one needs to come in from the side. And because you can't come from under him or he's going to wind you and it's over. Yep. And he's like, well, I'll take the top if you don't care. I was like, I don't care. I was like, to be honest, dude, I don't think we're getting within 100 yards of that dude, but we can try. And so and he, we get up there and, you know, we sweat our guts out getting up there because it's hot by then. <laughs> and then we split and it's like, okay, Zach, you go sit. And then just, you know, I'm going to give you like 30 minutes to get there. And I figure I'm about on the level of the deer. And I'm just going to work you know, try to keep the same elevation and work the side around and I'm going to try to kill him, but I should, if I pull, get in on him and bump him, he should go up. Like that's the way they go. Um, and same thing though, like he's, he goes up and sits and it's hot. I mean, it's like 90 something degrees and I start going in and, and I know I'm a long ways from him, but I also know that like anything can happen. He could be up. He, you know, we don't have sight of him anymore. And every, every step, like it took me over an hour to go 200 yards, just, you know, one step, same thing, one step, stop, one step, stop, get in a spot where, you know, there's two big oak brush and you have to figure out a way around them. So you have to backtrack to find you another path where you're not making noise. Yep. And anyway, Long story long, I guess, I, I get into where I figure he is, and I range a tree, and the tree's 40. And I was like, he ha- unless he's gone, which is possible, you know, he could be gone, gone. He's within 40 of me. And it's the same thing. It's like a step or half a step stop, and you're, you know, you're tiptoeing. And all of a sudden, everything blows up. He and another buck jump right up. And... And I just pull back and he gives me just enough when he, like he gets up to go and he gives me just enough. It's a hard quarter, but it's like 30 yards and I let him have it. And it just so happens like he runs up the hill and I was like, Oh my God, that just happened. Like, <laughs> and he starts wobbling and then he starts tumbling down this hill and he tumbles for quite a ways. And then Zach is like, what just happened? You blew him out. I, I could have shot him. I was like, dude, he's dead. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, he just, he died. And he's like, oh, he was behind that bush. He was, I thought he was raking on it. He must've been wobbling. So we like, it just worked out, but it would have never worked out if it wasn't like that painstakingly every step matters. Right. And, and I think that's, that's, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of things that have to go right. Like I could make that stock a hundred times and get zero shots and it just worked out. And I'm, you know, fortunate for that. But, yeah. <laughs> that process of making sure that you do you pay attention the entire time and you don't lose focus because it's hot or because you're getting impatient 
to give yourself that chance because at the end of the day, if you blow that, if you rush and blow that stock, you have nothing to do the rest of the day anyway until, you know, you spot something else. Like you just a long hike back. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it that. makes perfect sense. Cause I, I've killed animals doing the same thing. Um, you know, I, I shot an elk <clears throat> one year, my son and I were still hunting through the trees and he was seven at the time. And I would take one to three steps and I'd stop. And he was walking right behind me and we ended up shooting this elk at seven yards. He stood up out of his bed and I shot him once and he just stood there. And I'm like, holy crap. And you know, one, one of two things is fixing to happen. We're going to get ran over. He's going to run the other way, <laughs> you know, and he's just staring oh, at yeah. me. <clears throat> and, uh, and my arrow, my, I should pendulum sight or slider sight. And it was on 50. So I hit high shoulder. So he, he wouldn't even have died. And I knock it, I go real slow and I knock another arrow and he turns and he goes through an opening in the trees. It was big. It was like 20 yards opening or 15 yards, you know, and he's still only, I don't know, 10 yards and he's kind of trotting, but I knew I already hit him once. So I was going to shoot again regardless. And that arrow was, you know, right through the lungs and he ran all the way to the bottom, of course, the bottom of the hill oh, yeah. and, and died, you know, but so your, your story makes perfect sense because if, if we'd have been doing the opposite, and just walking, we'd have blew that elk out long before we ever even got there. Yeah, oh yeah, and you know. I, and how many times does it happen where you you get you lose focus and you start thinking something about whatever else is going on in your life and you start moving a little fast? Probably like seven or that, eight times out of ten. And that's about <laughs> the second you jump something up. Yep. And then you go, or like when it happens for me a lot is when I am about to come over a rise and I'm telling myself, slow down, go slower, go slower. Oh, and the, yeah. And the times I come over that rise really slow, I see everything and everything's fine. But then I'll come over that rise way too fast and blow up the whole scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's the, it sounds simple. It's like, it's like anything in life. Like, you want to, you know, get yourself in a good spot financially or physically, like physical health. It's not complicated. It's pretty simple, but it doesn't mean it's not hard. It just takes persistence. And if you can, you know, you, you be able to harness that, that anticipation and that excitement to be able to say, Hey, like I need to be as focused right here as I'm going to be as focused as I was 10 steps ago. And as focused as I'm going to be in 10 more steps. Yep. That, it, it'll pay off in the end and it, but it's hard it's hard to keep that focus and to, to stay stay on the course when when it feels like you know how it is how many times are you still hunting or when you're doing anything or fishing and you're like well it's impossible there's no fish here yeah yeah and and then the next cast wham like it just i don't know it it's one of those things and it's it's a good lesson for any part of life i think but yeah it's part of why we love hunting and yeah, because yeah. it's a new challenge every time we go out, you know. The wind's never the same. The animal's never the same. They're doing something different. The, the weather on top of that's different. The people involved that might be hunting him from a different angle are different. You know, it's always different. And, uh, right. yeah, that's that's something that makes hunting a challenge every time you do it. And what keeps, you know, drives most of us to uh, continue doing it. Um and, you know, that, that actually brings up an interesting point for me, because, uh, you know, with you and your love for hunting and also working, uh, obviously, in a company that's in the outdoor industry, um, how do you, 
you know, considering the love for hunting that you have, how do you balance that with all of the responsibilities that you have at AGC? Uh, it's hard. I mean, it, it's exactly what you said. It's a balance. And, and like, I don't know how many times I'll be on a hunt and I need to go get to a spot where I've got service, even on a weekend to make sure I, I have access to my emails to, you know, cause same thing, like, you know, a customer is willing to spend their money on your product. You know, that, that means something like that's, there's a level of trust that goes with it. Uh-huh. And, and then when they're asking you questions about it, like that, that matters and how, how you treat those people matters and being, being responsive and being able to, to do that for them matters. And then balancing that with, I also need time to, to go enjoy hunting and be hunting and, and not, you know, have that escape that we all use it as. So it, it's, de- there's definitely a balance there, but to me, I, I don't know. I have a lot of conversations with a bunch of good guys and, and ladies that, that just love hunting, just like we do. And you, you start talking products and pretty soon you're talking about hunting and, and you meet great people. And, and so there's, even though it's work, like, I don't, I don't think it matters what you do, whether you're a pro baseball player or whether you're, you know, working at Alaska guide, you know, like I am, you can love what you do and there's still work to it, but, but it's rewarding as long as you, you, you know, have find joy in it. Yep. I, I don't know. Like, like for you, like you do podcasts and, and you know, I don't know what you do personal, like on top of that, but yep. as much as you love it, there's still work to it. There's parts of it that you don't love. Right. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And there always will be, you know, yeah. and, and I think that's a, that's a big, I don't know, misconception, right? That it, it's like, oh yeah, I, uh, I love every single thing about being a business owner. And it's like, but do you really? <laughs> no. Oh yeah. No, you don't. Um, but there, there's typically what I've found, there's, there's more upsides than downsides and that's what keeps you doing it. Yep. The trades are good. Yep. They're, they're good trades and, and honestly, like if you did it, if you were doing the same thing and didn't have the stress of the business owner, you still have the same things you don't like that you'd still have to do no matter who your boss is, no matter what you do, there's still parts of your job that are, are work and that they're not ideal. Like they're the things you would, if you put them on a list, you'd do them last. Yeah. But, but that's just part of it. And I, I think that's, that's anything, you know, that's, you know, someone looking on social media and seeing the success you've had hunting or the success, you know, some of these big name guys that, you know, have killed a bunch of giant deer or giant bulls have had hunting and they see the highlights. They don't see the, the 15 days in the field where they haven't sniffed an elk that they even want or, or even put eyes on a buck that, you know, even moves the needle, but they're still out there doing it every day. And, or they see, you know, why, why does that get to, to run his own company and, and be on podcasts with, with all these people in the industry, but they don't see the work that's going in behind it. And, right. and that's okay. Like that's just part of it. Yep. Um, but I, th- I think that perspective is it's hard to keep, keep yourself in check when, when it's so easy to see the highlight reel on social media that, that it seems like everyone's life is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you see like all these, like so-and-so shot a giant animal here and the giant animal there. And it's like, damn, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> oh yeah. You know, but I don't know. Like 
I'm a firm believer of if it doesn't matter if, if I see a three point with a kicker or I see a 200 inch deer, if I see something that excites me, then I'm going to go try and kill it. And, and that's, I, I don't know, may, may, I kind of feel fortunate that that's still how it is for me. You know, I'm oh, yeah. still able to go out there and be like, man, this deer really excites me. I want to go try and make this happen, you know, as opposed to eh, just not big enough. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and as you, I feel like you probably feel the same way. Like as you've gotten older, like it's way more about the experience and, and being out than it is. Especially about, when like, you bring your no kids. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. We, we still want to kill stuff. Like, yeah, there's yeah. No, like, I mean, call it what it is. I still want to come home with a big buck. Yeah. But it's not the whole picture anymore. It's not what defines whether a hunt was successful, you know, and, and like that, one of the questions on your survey is like, Hey, what are you like, what are you really good at? Or what would you say you think you're really good at? And yeah. And it's all that perspective. Like, right. Uh, I, I'd like to say I'm a good hunter. You know, I have a handful of bucks, eighties, nineties bucks on the wall, but depends who, like what company you put me in. You yeah. put me next to Jason Carter and man, I'm a slouch. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you, but you put me next to, you know, a 16 year old kid that's only hunted for a couple of years and he's never really had anyone to help him. Like I look pretty amazing. So right. it, just, it just, it's all perspective and, and trying to keep that in check, you know, like 18 year old me would look at me today and say, yeah, you're pretty good. But me today, it's like, man, I can sure get better. And that's probably every single aspect of my life, whether that's as a husband or a father or, or, you know, a businessman or even just a human being, like there's right. always places I can get better and, as a hunter and I don't know, it's, well, I think that's admirable about you and, and something that's very respectable about you is, I mean, we've all met people that, that are where they are and think that they're, that's as good as they are and that's as good as they're going to be. And they're the best, which is great. Good on them. I'm more in your boat where, Hey, we had a good day today, but you know, we got to figure out how to be better tomorrow. And, and, and that's awesome. So I, I, I really respect and appreciate that about you. And that, that definitely gives us, I mean, aside from the hunting and wanting to design better gear and all this other stuff that we are obviously on the same page about that gives me yet, yet another thing that I'm on the same page with you about. Um, and you know, kind of getting more towards, uh, slowly looking at like wrapping this up. I, I, I do have a couple questions, um, about, about AGC. Um, like one, I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, with, you know, with, with the mentality that we were just talking about, right? Like the, the mentality that, Hey, we got some great products, but what can we do better? How can we change this and everything like that? Um, do you guys have any any products releases that are coming out that you're particularly excited about and that you can kind of touch on a little bit or not really? Yeah, so um, we I don't know if you're at Western Hunt Expo or not. Um, I was not we, not this year. So we we you know they're not available yet, um, but we've been working on a backpack also for roughly a year and a half, two years. Okay. Um. Uh, a full a full frame backpack uh, carbon frames 
with different bag sizes i mean a bunch of accessories to go with it kind of the same concept i mean and not not like light years different than a lot of the packs out there you know that's basically how backpacks are anymore is there's there's frame and then there's bag options accessory options uh and you know to be able to build it out to how you want to where you're not having to buy a frame every time you want a different bag size right um but that's that's something we're pretty excited about um you know, I'm super grateful to have Jerry, Jerry here helping me on, on design. Like Jerry's been, he's really like, that's kind of a project that he's really gra- um, gravitated to. And it's, you know, kind of taken a lot of ownership with, and, you know, he's as good as it gets as far as being thoughtful and, you know, as 20 plus years design experiences as an engineer before even coming to Alaska guide. Um, he uh, just a, sharp guy and a humble guy and you know i'm i'm really excited about the launch of the backpack i think it's going to be going to be a good product again for trying doing doing our best to make the design a fit for most people and the ability to customize it to fit the guy that goes on day hunts or hour hikes or someone that's going to do multi multi-day backpack hunts. yep Absolutely. Well, I, I am, I am, that's awesome. I, I am a, I'm, I'm a geared nut through and through. Um, I did a huge backpack test as well. I nine or 12 backpacks against each other. So I, I love gear tests. I love testing it to the max. So I, I am definitely looking forward to seeing that when it launches and, uh, look forward to hopefully putting it through the paces and things like that. Um, with, you know, with that, just before we close, um, I, I, you know, I know in the, uh, the questionnaire, you mentioned something about, uh, a nonprofit that you started in memory of your cousin. And I would really like to learn more about that and, uh, you know, kind of just let the audience know what all that's about. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. Of course. Um, I think the question was, you know, what are you most, what's the achievement you're most proud of Yep. or your, your crowning achievement, something yep. to, along those lines. And, uh, a little over two years ago, uh, my cousin CJ Spoon, he took his own life. He was 15 years old. Uh, and he's a kid that was a stud athlete, great in school, great family, um, made a poor decision after, after having a bad night. Um, it, and it was something that like just took us all. I mean, terrible thing, suicide, right? Like, yeah. and, and I, I don't think there's very many people out there that haven't been impacted by it one way or another. Right. Um, anyway, so one of the things I, I, I went over as soon as we found out, it was like three in the morning. Um, I had gotten a call that, that CJ had taken his own life and I went over and yeah, I had coached him for a number of years in baseball and, uh, went over and I was, you know, talking to Nicole and Pat and, just being with him more than anything, you know, not much being said, but something Pat said really struck me, his dad, he was like, this can't be what defined. We can't let this be what defined CJ. And, and, you know, that just really struck me um, because, because I think that happens. And I think that suicide's taboo. Like I never had conversations about suicide growing up and you right. know, he knew what it was like it kind of, you somehow you figure out what it is and people mention it, but you never really, have that conversation and, you know, becoming a parent, it's a terrifying conversation to even think about having. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't want to have that conversation. Um, and, and so I approached Pat and, you know, with my wife and we said like, Hey, we'd like to do a scholarship in CJ's name for, for our local high school. 
for a baseball player and, you know, be, have it be something that can, you know, at least once a year, every year, that team will have that conversation about suicide and have that, you know, awareness brought to it. And the, our community like heard about it and rallied and it ended up becoming everyone wanted to be a part of it. So, so it created an, a 501 C three nonprofit. Um, and what we do is every year we, we have that scholarship and we're working on building the funds to be able to do a second scholarship for it. And to do that, we do a baseball camp right now. Awesome. And then we tie that baseball camp to a banquet afterwards. And in the banquet, we have guest speakers come and talk about, you know, mental health and, you know, how can kids and parents have, have those conversations? What, what are those things that people are facing and understand that if you feel that way, there's, there's ways to get help and, and to know, like, you're probably not the only one that feels that way. Right. Unfortunately, (laughs) there's not, there's no lack of people feeling like they're struggling. Right. And, and so we, we've done that. And, um, Alaska guide's been a big part of that. You know, even on Alaska guide's website, every time you check out, there's a roundup donation where you can round up to the nearest dollar and that money goes to the, to the CJ Spearman foundation. Um, but to me, like that impact of helping others and doing something that's not for your personal benefit, there's, it's powerful and it's, it's amazing. Like, it's kind of a, a weird thing, like, because there is personal benefit to, to it because it makes me feel better than anything else I do. Right. You know, I, I could kill a giant deer, but it doesn't touch how, how you feel that night at that banquet. And you see that you're touching lives and you hear stories from people that, you know, they come to you and you say, Hey, what you're doing's made a difference. It made a difference for me. Like I was able to talk to my parents about this or parents call you and say, Hey, you saved my son's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a huge deal. Man, that's, that's so awesome. But yeah, so that's, that to me, like, <clears throat> and, and I'm, I'm not out here asking people to help, help our cause. If they'd like to, that we would, we would love that. But yeah, but how do, how do people way, do that? Yeah. Do, do they go to a website and help out? Like what, send people to the baseball camp? Like what, how do people, how can yeah, people so help it's, out? It's, uh, the website is CJ Smewin, uh, and Smewin's S-M-U-I-N dot org. Um, and you can see what we do, the foundation every year, the scholarship award winner, we make a baseball card, um, and they get, they get an award and, you know, they can use that when they go on to college. And, but, but I would just say like to the listeners, like if, if you have a way or a, an option to, you know, outside of yourself, outside of any personal gain, like to, to be a part of something or to help people, it's, it'll, it'll more than come back in, in dividends to yourself and, and your community. And it's just, to me, that that's way more important than, than any, any accolade or financial gain that, that any of us could get for being a great hunter or for having a great business like that, that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that really matters. Yep. 100% Zach. I could not agree more. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's the, you know, it's the impacts that, uh, that we're able to do that they're going to leave a lasting impression for sure. And, uh, you know, not only is it an, an awesome thing that you have done that is able to help other people. Um, but I respect that a bunch about you as well. So, uh, with that, Zach, I can't thank you enough for taking, gosh, literally 59 minutes and three seconds. Um, you know, out of your day today to hop on this podcast and talk about the designs of your harness and, and what 
AGC goes through and your background and then share some insightful hunting tips and tactics um, as as well as a, a very admirable um, action that you've done with with the foundation and, and how many people that's probably impacting and helping like I just I really appreciate you taking that time today to do that. No, absolutely. I appreciate you having me and hopefully uh, I wasn't too long winded on anything, but I, I do appreciate you having me and, and for all you're doing, you know, getting, getting gear out there and letting people see what it looks like head to head.